It was the movie which literally inspired the inception of this podcast, so it's probably high time that we actually cover Top Gun on today's episode of that song from that movie. Thank you for joining that song from that movie, The Journey for the Very Best and Worst of Movie Songs. I am your top secret clearance host, Dietrich, and we're joined by, he's lost that loving feeling, Alex. And now it's gone, 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 whoa, whoa. Yeah, that's how I feel. <laughs> that was supposed to be a joke. <laughs> <laughs> and he's the maverick to my goose, Ben. Yeah, I'll, I'll be maverick, that's fine. As long as I have my Cuban heels, which I'm pretty sure Tom Cruise must have been wearing yeah, exceedingly large heels throughout this entire film. <laughs> like, if you take around, take away all the music, you just hear the clunking of like heavy sort of cardboard boxes that he's tied to his feet. He had to wait for uh, those um, Spice Girl platforms in the 90s. It made his career much easier. Sick, sick, ah. Okay, so it's time for everyone's favourite segment. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I would like to know in the past fortnight, what have you been watching? Cha, cha, cha. <laughs> oh, yeah. <yes. laughs> Updated with Alex's vocals. Cha, cha, cha. Yo, I mean, yo, <laughs> I can't tell like what the origin of the music. It sounds like vaguely Russian, vaguely like, I don't know. <laughs> Just, I think it's supposed to be more like a sort of uh, like, Spanish Latino. Like a rumba theme. or something. Yeah. Be, 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 be. It's going to be in my head now. Um, I did watch a film actually. We watched. Um, it's <laughs> I, like how, to I like how it's always a surprise. I actually watched the film. Well, I did. I did. I did watch a film called Top Gun, which we're going to be discussing uh, later in this episode for the first time. But we'll discuss that later. Really? Yeah, it was the first time I'd seen it. Save it for later. But it's also the first time I watched a film called. Well, actually, I'm going to have to try and remember what the full name was. It was like the Guernsey Literary, Literary Potato and Peel Potato Peel Pie, Peel Pie, Pie Society. Yeah. <laughs> I watched that, and it was all right. Yeah, it was surprisingly good, actually. Do you know how to make it now? No, I didn't look up the recipe because it sounded absolutely vile. Yeah, and I potato want to go near peel it. pie. Potato peel pie sounds like pie. something you ate during the Irish famine. Yeah, and 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 like, is, 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 is it was Tom Courtney, wasn't it in the film? I can't remember if it was Tom Courtney or not, but it was like potato and peel pie. <laughs> I have refused to watch that film just because it feels like one of those, like the Fisherman's Singing Choir film or the... Oh, yeah, uh, Fisherman's you know, Friends. Yeah, yeah or like yeah. The, what, the one about the women whose husbands are off fighting the war and they sing again. Oh, yeah, the Military Wives. Military Wives one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They're all they're all poor knockoffs of Brastoff, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, probably. <laughs> Calendar Girls is another one. Calendar Girls, I feel like Calendar Girls might be the one that is actually decent. No, well, this one actually, you feel like it is going to be like those, but it is actually better than that. It was like, it was a higher tier than those films. So I would, I would say it was worth watching. It's, no, it's just not selling me. No, okay. Well. Does it have a shirtless volleyball scene? Uh, you, I'm going to... I don't want to ruin it. I don't want to ruin it. The short answer to that question, Ben, is no. <laughs> there are a lot of beach scenes. <laughs> That's all I was looking for, Alex. Um... I, I, you know, I, I'm not going to lie. I've not seen any film this week. There's been so much good TV come out. Such Working as? my way through Stranger Things and Obi-Wan Kenobi. Mm, not watched I've only watched Obi-Wan Kenobi out of those two. I haven't started Stranger Things yet. There is a particular song in Stranger Things, which I won't say, which I have been, has been in my head all week. 
Uh, and my wife says... Is it the one that's number one in the charts right now? Uh, I don't know what's number one in the charts at the moment. What is number one in the charts? Uh, well, if I say it, isn't it going to be... Well, if it's in the charts, though, it's not a spoiler. Go and do okay, Kate Bush running up that hill. Yeah, exactly. Not the placebo version. Not the placebo <laughs> version, even though I've accidentally put that on a few times. I think Alexa's got shared the placebo because she well, she puts it on. Now that I'm fully recovered from COVID, I have been to the cinema and I have seen Doctor Strange in the multiverse of madness. And it wasn't that mad. It wasn't that bad, did you say, D? Well, I mean, it wasn't that bad. I said it wasn't that mad. Oh, it wasn't that mad. (laughs) That was the the level it had to be. Yeah, it wasn't that bad. (laughs) There was lots of scenes I really enjoyed, but I was kind of expecting a more sort of frenzied, fast-paced movie that was, uh, you know, well, you know, a multiverse of madness, not so much what it actually is, which is more we go to one universe within uh, the multiverse, and that's that. That's enough. <laughs> I think I think I've I've definitely given up on Marvel now. I can't keep track. There's just too much. There's just too much. There's, I saw a trailer for that She-Hulk thing, and I was like, this is too far. It's gone too far. <laughs> Turn it low. It's gone too far. Single female lawyer <laughs> fighting for her clients, wearing sexy mini skirts and being green and giant. <laughs> I feel like if you you're not excited about Marvel film D, I it's put me off. Like I said, there, there, there was bits that were, it was really good, but it it just wasn't the film it was sold as. And do you have seven out of ten? Yeah, I think that's a good way of putting it. It it feels like an episode of a TV show, like a good episode of a TV show, but not quite the, the experience you want. Yeah, no, I get that. Big I get that. And I think that's going to become more and more a problem that they make cinematic TV, uh, especially for Disney. The line is becoming more and more blurred. So with the release of Top Gun Maverick, we're going full max power by strapping ourselves in and feeling the G's with the songs (laughs) from the original Top Gun. (laughs) So to find out what was happening in the world when the movie came out. Time for some history. Thanks for the reverb, Alex. Yes, we are in May 1986. So I was looking at some interesting facts. I'm fed up with just looking at main global news because it's all war. Like, stop fighting, guys. It's boring. Give peace a chance. Anyway, Chung Kwon Ying from Hong Kong did 2,750 handstand push-ups in a row. That seems too many. I can't do one. I tried to do one (laughs) with my feet up against the wall. Couldn't do it. Very hard. Apparently, in one hour, he did 1,985. Now, Alex being someone that did maths, can you tell me what that is? So that was in one minute, a thousand... No, that was in one, one... hour! No, one minute! What are you... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, one hour, one thousand... This is how bad I am at maths. <laughs> you set me up there, then. <laughs> so he did 1,800 and something 1, 000, in an hour. Basically, 2,000 in an hour. Oh, God. Um... I've got a guess. Have you, do you actually know the answer, then? No, I just wanted to no. <laughs> wanted to imagine your brain squirm, and it sounded like. Yeah, I mean, I attempted it, and then then quickly decided to uh, to stop. Well, I appreciate Alex. D. Um, I think he's going at roughly a speed of two thousand per hour. Mm, yeah, that's the yeah, that's yeah. the correct answer. Yeah, thank see, you. See, Alex, it's not about doing the smart thing; it's doing about the max power. He would way. not do well in the one percent club. That's ridiculous. He must have been cheating. Someone must not have been watching him. He did it at Government City Hall as well, which I feel like this is a flaunt. Like, I imagine people just going about their daily business, and he's just there in the middle of the court. He was there when they opened up, and he was going, 1,993. <laughs> 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 that's, that's probably it. Oh, I've lost count. What was I on? 3,000. 
I don't know if you heard I was on 2000. <laughs> now, in April of 1986, the Chernobyl uh, nuclear disaster happened. So in May, they just started to report it. The first time they reported it, the news, the Russian news, the agency TASS called it a mishap. Has there ever been a more disproportionate description of an event of calling it a mishap? And understand. Well, maybe perhaps like a special military operation in lieu of the phrase invasion. <laughs> yep. Yeah. See we go. See we go. <laughs> but calling it a mishap, it's one of it's a it's a very big rug you're attempting to sweep this under. <laughs> but yes, they were two news stories. The biggest news story, obviously, at the time, which is obviously the release of Top Gun. I mean, you know, I don't think this is objective. One of the greatest films of all time. Wow. Oh, okay. <laughs> Waiting for a claim. For those unaware, I'm surprised if there is anyone, but Top Gun is an action drama film directed by the late, great Tony Scott, starring the likes of Tom Cruise and Kelly McGillis, alongside Val Kilmer, Anthony Edwards, and Tom Skerritt in supporting roles. So the story follows hotshot fighter pilot Maverick, played by Tom Cruise, who is sent to the Top Gun Naval Fighter Weapons School, where his reckless attitude and cocky demeanour put him at odds with the other pilots, especially the cool and collected Iceman. Do you see what I did there? Yes. Well, I didn't do it. The uh, back of the DVD in my shelf said that. But Maverick isn't only competing to be the top fighter pilot. Oh no, he's also fighting for the attention of the beautiful flight instructor, Charlotte Blackwood, played by Kelly McGillis. Alex, you said you just watched this. D, I feel like you were in the same boat. You were going to watch this recently. Where are we at? As is always the case in this podcast, if I'm not doing the research, I've not watched this film until D- just before <laughs> we've gone on the air. Do you remember at school when they do those examples where they say, imagine an alien from the planet Zorb comes down and like has no concept of human life? And it's their way of describing like an apple of him trying to work out how many I don't know, oranges he can fit in this basket. This is you, D. <laughs> you have never seen a single film ever. In those like school exams, you're more likely to see the name Zorb and stuff like that than my own name. <laughs> yes, they were. You two got it all the time. <laughs> yeah, that's that's very true. But yeah, so where I'm quite interested in both where you guys are at seeing this it, from a lens of 2022, and not I don't know when I watched this, maybe when I was in like low late nineties, early noughties. Well, I think like to put it on a on a postcard, the film is not good. <laughs> <laughs> but what a terrible postcard to receive hey, I've got a postcard from Alex the film what's, is the, not, what's not good, good. <laughs> well on the front of the, on the front of the postcard is the, is a picture of uh, Tom Cruise in, in a plane on um, the front of it says wish you were her and it's Pearl Harbor <laughs> <laughs> oh well yeah maybe um, the movie not the event wish you were her and picture of the cocktail <laughs> picture of cocktail <laughs> <laughs> that, that, isn't that sexy pose on the front cover of cocktail yeah yeah Okay, so yeah, the film is not good, um, <laughs> but there is something kind of compelling about it. And I think it's 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 in the stupidity of everything that happens. <laughs> like none of it, none of it really makes sense. Like we're supposed to believe that there's some sort of trophy that the, the, the these top ace pilots are, are fighting for. And, and one of my favorite bits was at the very end when it when all said and done, they were like, "Maverick, you have your pick of assignments and locations." How how? The, what does that even mean? There is there is such a limited scope for the need of these pilots that I just like where where even would he go? So that that just got me. But Malibu, <laughs> it's, it was just so stupid. But every single line is just like is horrible. 
but the film is very cinematic and and it's kind of like it's a bit hazy and a bit blurry i don't know if that was intentional but the version i watched which which was the version available on sky store was yeah. yeah it was very hazy very blurry it was kind of like a bit of like a fever dream but it kind of it almost like captured like a mirage of a film what a film should be but like a blur of it do you know like when you read those like someone's put like a paragraph up and the words are all spelled incorrectly but you can still read it because they've got some yeah, yeah, letters yeah, in the right yeah, place yeah. <laughs> This, that, this was like a film version of that. It's like, this is a film. <laughs> Your brain was linking the scenes together, but the <laughs> yes. scenes themselves weren't linked. But none of, none of the rest of it made sense. And like, the, 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 the oh my god, the plane scenes are so boring and so <laughs> they like, are, they are difficult yeah. to follow what's yeah. going on. Like, I was yeah. like, literally, that big climax at the end, I was like, I, I just, I can't even. And then the, the part, like, I, I probably should put a spoiler alert in here where Goose meets his end. I was like, what's happened? Why is he dead? <laughs> what happened? <laughs> he seemed to get ejected into his own plane somehow. I, I didn't, Went I just... into the guy's stream. Yeah, <laughs> did he? I just like <laughs> never cross streams. Yeah, 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 exactly. So confusing. I think I think the only thing that was like kept me grounded in this film was just the constant shots of Val Kilmer in the background chewing gum and taking his sunglasses off. <laughs> Val Kilmer Val Kilmer is so cool. He's wearing sunglasses in a nightclub. <laughs> it like it's like one in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in in what in in California as well. It's just like see so, <laughs> Yeah, that's kind of that kind of sum, sums it up. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's an odd experience watching it. I, I did. I don't really know what I was expecting, but yeah, it was a, it was an odd experience. So I feel like with how legendary this movie is and how much of an effect it has on, still has on pop culture, I was pretty confident I knew enough about this movie going in to get why expected, which was. To clarify, was more of like an over-the-top pre-Michael Bay, Michael Bay movie yeah. about like the best damn fighter pilots the U.S. Army has to offer. Hoorah and all that. <laughs> but did, did you like the title card, D, where it pauses with the words that you know are coming up for way too long? <laughs> <laughs> they call them. It's like thirty seconds, and it's you wait. Just say Top Gun. We know it's called Top Gun. The film's called Top, Top Gun. Gun, and it's in big letters. <laughs> Top Gun. Top Gun. <laughs> yeah, but r- really. The movie just wasn't that, and I'm not really sure the movie really knew what it wanted to be. It was just a bit lifeless, and like compared to the movie that I'd expected, it was a bit of a disappointment, like story-wise. And I also thought that the way it was directed was just a bit bland. Like Alex said, you couldn't follow anything that was happening, and not a lot of it seemed like to be stock footage. It didn't actually feel like it was cinematically captured. Honestly, it was almost like the U.S. Army had just gone. Here's the clips of us testing out the new planes. Yeah, so I don't really know how they managed to make such a boring film about fighter pilots flying supersonic jets and blowing shit up. I mean, I guess it's unfair to damn a movie for what it isn't, rather than what it is. But there is the 10 minutes that Alex mentioned, again, spoilers, where Goose dies, which I actually think is actually really good. I really enjoyed that bit where Maverick has to process what's happened and confront whether or not he wants to stay in the military. But within 10 minutes, he's already resolved that whole storyline. And he's back doing whatever the fuck he's doing at the end. Yeah, he's basically doing the same thing as before. Yeah. If they'd have met the entire movie, that 10 minutes, like, st- start them off already as Top Guns and just have <laughs> this... short. No, not 10 minutes long, as in make the whole movie him trying to... Like a piece on wartime rhetoric and try whether or not it should be as glamorised as it is. That would have been an inter- interesting film. But yeah, this is just sort of like a muddled mess of a movie that I don't 
quite understand, but it has good songs. <laughs> it has amazing it songs. It has incredible <laughs> The songs, songs, actually, promise a film that this isn't... That's The songs are really fun, but this movie is just a bunch of people not liking each other while Tom Cruise tries to act. <laughs> Like the film that I thought this was going to be, it certainly wasn't, which is what kind of what D said. Because I, I, I thought because everyone's like, oh yeah, it's like like macho like bros like going out and like I, I thought that that's where it was going at the beginning when there was like <laughs> they're going at it competition, <laughs> and it's like oh yeah, they're going for this Top Gun prize. But actually, that seemed just like completely irrelevant by halfway through it until they gave uh, Val Kilmer's character an actual trophy at one point. <laughs> I was like, what is this pilot school? So, I, mean, I also just loved the name Maverick because it's like yeah, he's got it. But like, how many times did they have to like drill home? to him say he's like he's a loose cannon he just does what he wants <laughs> how many how many ways are they looking up the, looking up the dictionary <laughs> definition of maverick and just saying it out loud god uh, and so- yeah like the whole romance aspect of it was so like shoehorned in as well it was like why she, at one point she's like i think i've fallen for you but why always oh, said it's been really annoying and really arrogant you mean when she it. almost like causes like a multiple car pile up <laughs> yeah, on the road. car accident <laughs> she's got a cool car though so i think that's part of the reason but she, she, he's just like, he tells like one story about his mum liking, or his grandma liking, Otis Redding as well. It's like, you know, this this really unfamous song by Otis Redding called Sitting on the Dark of the Bay, and it was her favourite song, and just reminds me of my childhood. It's like, so is, she's supposed to fall in love with him because of that. Is this the birth of that, like, I respect you because you got skills, but you're a loose cannon? Because how many times in this film do they make clear, I, I respect you, can't trust you, damn it. <laughs> you're the best damn pilot. We pretty much never see Maverick doing something well. He's always messing up. Yeah, or, or doing what he shouldn't be doing, yeah. So how, how do you guys feel that Top Gun Maverick currently sits at an 8.7? As in the new one? 96% on Rotten Tomatoes, yeah. It's Tom Cruise's first 100 million box office opening of his entire career. And he is, what, the last remaining A-lister, probably? I, I think, I, I, I've read like a brief synopsis of the plot of the new one. And I think it involves like Goose's son going into yeah, the flight yeah, school. Yeah. Oh, so it's Creed. Yeah. But I can see, like, with Top Gun, the original film, there's, like, there's something there <laughs> that it doesn't quite nail. It's, it's the sexual like... energy, Alex. That's what's there. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, I could see how it could be a good film or they could be a good version of this film. But this just wasn't, wasn't it. But yeah, it was watchable. I, I just got <laughs> yeah, to get that back out there. It, it was, was kind of watchable. Like, it was weird. I couldn't get my head around. I, I don't think this film is, you know, the best thing to slice bread, but I do find it entertaining. And I could probably watch it all the way through and not be bored. But I think a large part of that is the music, which we will go on to. But yes, the film was received mixed by critics. Quite a lot of people praised the general interactions between the cast. However, some people did think that the action went on slightly too long without faces. <laughs> without people Mm. but the film was a huge commercial hit it grossed 356 million dollars against a a production budget of 15 million it was the biggest selling film of 1986 and it cemented tom cruise as a larger than life a-lister i think prior to this his big film i guess was um i was getting mixed up jerry Maguire. I always get Risky Business and Jerry Maguire mixed up which is the one where he slides in yeah that's Risky Business where he slides in in the show I think Jerry Maguire's later obviously people saw him like they sought him out producer Jerry Bruckheimer they sought him out for this role so there's clearly something about him already apparently quick fact there is a $5 fine to any student at the US Navy's Top Gun school if anyone quotes this film (laughs) (laughs) it reminds me of that community episode when uh, they're doing the pottery no one's allowed to do the ghost scene (laughs) 
How specific are they? Well, like... apparently, someone I think I was reading a story about someone who passed, who got either got into the school or got his wings. Uh, got his yeah, got his wings, and on the way home, just blasted out the soundtrack <laughs> because they. Were... So he's obviously <laughs> in like this is like guys, this culture, but no one's allowed to say it. <laughs> that a lot of the people probably going to the school have been inspired by this film. But yeah, apparently, like, I mean, we know Tom Cruise loves his stunts. He's basically every film he's in now, he's asked to show that, no, I'm doing it. There's not a stunt man. <laughs> I will break my foot for this. I think in the latest trailer for the Mission Impossible, they've basically blasted off all the doors of a car to show that, yes, it is Tom driving. <laughs> there is no one else there. But apparently, he didn't want to do the film. So they put him on a, uh, you know, a fly along. And they did 5Gs. I, I'm assuming that is a lot of Gs. So they're doing things like bowel rolls. And apparently he just starts heaving. He gets back on the tarmac and says, yeah, I'm doing this movie. <laughs> so he clearly is a sucker for pains. It's a lot of staring. It's a lot of characters staring at each other menacingly. And there's a lot of almost montage moments in this film. Partly because they clearly recognised at an early stage in the production that the music was selling this. I think they knew they were onto a winner already. And the soundtrack, you would probably assume, has become one of the most popular movie soundtracks to date. It is nine times platinum selling certification and has been quoted a quintessential artifact of the mid-80s. And it still defines the bombastic melodramatic sound that dominated the pop charts of the era. Do we feel that's a good enough summary? Yeah. Yes. yeah. It doesn't match the film, but yeah. <laughs> But did you, before we go into you guys knew the songs from this film already. Like, as in, I know there's a lot yes. of songs and we're not going to cover them all. Sorry, guys. But you knew these songs were from Top Gun. Yeah, I think yeah, so. Yeah, I did. The, yeah. Th- yeah. the three, the two Kenny Loggins ones and obviously the Berlin song, definitely. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There are many great songs on the soundtrack and the soundtrack has been re-released at different points. I think it was re-released in 2000 to add more songs, including the greatest song of all time. Alex, this is one of our favourite songs. By just me referencing that, do you know what I mean? Jennifer Rush. Jennifer Rush, The Power of Love. It's good. Annoyingly, it's not in the <laughs> it's film. It's not even in the it's, film. I think it's, like one of the, it's like the third or fourth credit song. So oh, I apologise to the fans <laughs> of the likes of Cheap Trick, Ariel Speedwagon, and most importantly, Jennifer Rush, that we are not covering their songs for this film because we are focusing on four songs in total. You've Lost That Loving Feeling, Playing With The Boys, Danger Zone, and finally Take My Breath Away. So without further ado, let's move on. The first song we're covering is You've Lost That Loving Feeling. So this is a song originally performed by the Righteous Brothers and partly performed in the film by Tom Cruise and several other Top Gun members. Uh, Cruise performs this song as he attempts to win a bet by knowingly wooing flight instructor Charlie Blackwood. And so beginning their romance. Both thoughts on the song, thoughts on the use of it in the film. Yeah, so this bit was so awkward in the movie. <laughs> I'm I'm not sure if it was supposed to be charming or endearing, but Tom Cruise trying to act like a human just didn't land for me. Like he he's doing he's trying to do the I'm acting like I'm singing bad, and that means I'm doing good acting. But to me, it was more like a robot going, <laughs> "Master, need petrol, attempt to look human, blend in, master." So I wasn't taken in with him at all. I enjoy the song normally, but just not Tom Cruise version. Even if every time I've ever heard the actual version of his song, I've always gone, what is this? I don't recognise it until it hits the chorus. At which point, I'm like, oh, it's this song. And at the end, they all start singing Summer Lovin' from Greece, right? <laughs> is that what you feel like? They sing it like... and start going, dum, 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 dum. It does definitely sound like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dum, dum, dum. 
Like, there was going to be a, a, a longer scene where they sang Grease afterwards. I don't know how, uh, when, when that came out, but what's the deal there? Because it's not in the song. I think probably they were trying to imitate something that does happen in the song, but just did it really poorly. But I, I agree 100% with you that the, the scene is awkward as hell. <laughs> and I was like, it's a weird choice choice of song to sing to someone you're trying to woo. I didn't really understand. He was like, oh, we're going to do um, You've Lost That Love and Feeling. And the guy was like, oh, yeah. Oh yeah, <laughs> like, is is this gonna is is this the song you should be singing? Is this gonna work? And then it was all it was followed by like five minutes of Tom Cruise essentially accosting this woman in a public bathroom. Yeah, that's that is weird. That is weird. And he's very persistent, and obviously it ended up working. But I don't know what the message is there. <laughs> it's Tom Cruise. But yeah. if at any point you change Charlie's face to be one of like either anxiety or just um like side-eyeing or anything like that, this film becomes completely different. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about being put in a position. Yeah, it's uh... awkward. Jesus. But yeah, um, the, the the version in the film by them is awful. Yeah, it's it's like it's almost you can't even hear it's the same song. Yeah. But then when it when it comes back in later in the film, when, when it comes on the jukebox and you're like, oh, she's going to be there. She's going to be there. It's like, yeah, okay, I'll allow it. The song itself is, is, is a wonderful song. It's a really, really good song. But it's kind of weirdly the. I'm not sure it does really belong in this film because one, I can't understand why it was the song chosen for the reason it's chosen, and it's obviously it's. I think it's from like the early to mid sixties. Yes, it is. none of the other soundtrack is of that era. Feels slightly out of place. I don't really know what it's a reference to. Maybe it's at the very beginning of the film. We talk about the flight school launching in the sixties. Launching, <laughs> accidental pun. Um. Listing because I, I couldn't tell whether the film was supposed to be set in the eighties originally, mm. or whether they were saying, "Oh, this flight school was formed in the sixties, and now we are in the sixties. It obviously did not appear to be the sixties yeah. when you watch the film. But I think I wondered whether the song might have been a reference back to that. But yeah, weird, weird choice uh, in the soundtrack. I, I think thought. because that song, I guess it's almost like do you say diegetic, diegetic, in that fact that it's in the film as yep. opposed to the in rest the of sort of trying to connote the feel yeah. of the movie. And I think that's why it's different and stands out. I guess also because you're in a bar where they're playing yeah. that jukebox music and it's that kind of thing. It's it's re- it's representing what they'd be listening to rather than what the audience oh, wants to hear or what's trying to be representative of this high-octane, action-packed lifestyle, or lots of oil that these guys are attempting to live. Yeah, I just I think I think that there was a missed trick where so like I mentioned already that weird scene in the middle where he's talking about oh it's ready. It's like, well, why didn't they make that song the same song that you used? And it would have had a slightly elevated meaning. A lot easier to rock forward and backward singing sitting on the dock of the day. <laughs> you just do it just do it now in silence. It's easy. Done it? Easy. Well, I've got the perfect rock on. Got the perfect rock on. <laughs> There's quite a lot of interesting facts about this song. Now, this song was produced by Phil Spector. Do we know who Phil Spector is? He's like a really famous music producer yes. from that period. Yeah, yeah. I think he, he's produced like Beatles albums. I think he also went. Yeah, I don't know if like, he went to jail. I think he killed two people. Yeah, I think he was a bit mad, wasn't yeah, he? Um, yeah, I think it, it, it introduced the wall of sound. I think that's is exactly the, the thing that's what I was going to say because oh, okay. apparently this song is credited as being one of the best examples of his wall of sound technique, which became popularized in the sixties. Um, so for people unaware, what is meant by the wall of sound was this new production technique in which various instrumentals are layered on top of each other to provide a more fuller sound for the listening equipment of the time. So things like radio or on, on record, 
similar to what Rick Rubin was credited of doing in the sort of the nights and noughts, in which in just trying to make things a bit more fuller and louder. And apparently, this song is one of the best examples of this wall of sound technique. Now, this song has been a top 20 hit for so many people. It was a hit for the Righteous Brothers. Uh, it's been a hit for Silla Black, Hall & Oates, Dion Warwick. Up until the 80s, nothing really since. Now, this song is believed to be the most played, or was at least, the most played radio song of all time in the United States until 2019, where it was overtaken by Every Breath You Take by Police. No. Oh. I wasn't expecting that. No, I wasn't as well. I was trying to think like why. I thought you were going to say Ed Sheeran. According to a, a BBC program in 2012 called The Richest Songs in the World, this song is believed to be the third biggest earner of royalties of all songs of all time. Wow. That's pretty huge. Any guesses on what might be ahead of it? So this was number three, three did you say? Yeah. I don't know. Happy birthday. Happy birthday is number one, Alex. Well done. Happy birthday to yeah, you I thought, and I thought I'd heard that. White, Christmas. White Christmas. White Christmas, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's pretty massive. I would never in a million years, you give me a million guesses, I would not guess you've lost that little But there's a really famous story, isn't it, about this original version and the Silla Black version were released more or less exactly the same time. Yeah, I think it was, yeah. Um, because, like, it was written, obviously, by someone else, like most songs were in those days. And, um... They both recorded it at the same time and released it, like roughly the same. So it was like number one and number two in the charts at the same time. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. That. There was a lot of uh, animosity. I don't think necessarily between the Righteous Brothers and Silla Black. I think it was just either their fans or production companies or royalties, you know, things like this. But one thing I did find interesting. So Bobby Hatfield, who was in the Righteous Brothers, he reportedly expressed annoyance to Phil Spector when he learned that the song would start with the first verse without him singing it and that he had to wait for the chorus, until joining in. And apparently, when Hatfield asked Spectre what he was supposed to do during the medley solo, Spectre replied, you can just go directly to the bank. <laughs> Which... <laughs> <laughs> what a line. Straight to the Straight bank. Straight to the nice. bank. But I, I just love that. Like, imagine having... Just not just the charisma, I guess, and the confidence to be like, just like, sure, you're earning money. I think he got his own back there, didn't he? Because isn't he the one who just sings Unchained Melody by himself? Uh, he might <laughs> so, be, yeah, he might be, I don't think know. Is, yeah. Now, we're getting into probably the more famous three songs, and we will start with Playing With The Boys is a song by Kenny Loggins, specifically written for the film. Now, in the film, it's played in the background while Maverick and Goose battle it out against Iceman and Hollywood in a vicious game of beach volleyball, where somehow, <laughs> somehow... Five foot seven, Tom Cruise spikes the ball repeatedly. <laughs> you go back and watch that scene. It's hilarious to imagine. Clear, he absolutely clears that net. As many critics state, the film falls apart without this scene. <laughs> the film I think that's falls, fair. Yeah, I, yeah. I can't actually disagree with that. What are your thoughts of the song, the scene, the combination of? Well, I, th- I feel like D should take this one. If he's going to tell the story about the, the launch of this podcast. Yeah. Yeah. So I already knew the scene and the use of the song because it's literally a song that inspired this entire podcast. <laughs> I've, I told I told the story on, if you remember, we recorded like a what is that song from that movie all the way back. Yes. Three years ago, two years ago. How long did we go to start? Two, two years ago. So if you, if you want to hear the full story, which is just basically, I heard it whilst we were driving home from work and went, we should do a podcast about movie this songs. During your Kenny Loggins playlist. I don't have a specific playlist outside of Christmas. <laughs> Everything is in one giant melting pot. I mean, 
<laughs> play Kenny Loggins at Christmas. Play well, this with song. the toys. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. I mean, people people will ask the question: Why did we not call the podcast "Playing with the Boys"? Yes, that was my original pitch. Yeah, that was my, my original pitch was we should call the podcast "Playing with the Boys," <laughs> and I could say at the end, one of life's most simple joys is talking about movie songs with the boys. I think Kenny plays that. Yeah, but apparently it well it wasn't very well on the uh, search engine optimization. <laughs> Get a lot of clicks <laughs> elsewhere. Yeah. Come up in a lot of other searches. Should I talk about the actual scene now? Yeah. I'm not really sure why this scene is in the movie because it doesn't really fit with the rest of the tone of the what? movie. Oh, it does. But I'm glad that it it's is there. Tensing all the time. There's literally one bit where he just he's about to serve, and what, I don't understand what he's doing with his stomach. I know. I don't. I was going to bring this up. I don't understand what. I mean, it's Hollywood, isn't it? Doing I think that it's bit. Hollywood. Yeah, I think it's Hollywood. Yeah, trying to do. He's sort of like doing some sort of. It's almost like a bodybuilder pose, <laughs> but one arm's going the wrong way. It, it doesn't make sense. But yeah, it, it's weird. The, the scene starts with just Tom Cruise telling someone they stink, and then that <laughs> scene starts, <laughs> and then it ends just as quickly with him going, "Right, gotta go." He puts on a jacket and leaves, and the scene has no importance. It's, there's no setup like, "Oh, we're, we're gonna beat your ass." Something. Gonna beat ass. Yeah, the song is all about beating ass. <laughs> yeah, I just uh, yeah, I don't get it. But the, the actual song itself is is. Just amazing! It's a great it's, song. It's, it's, it's a great, great song, especially uh, especially like the bit at the beginning with the sort of new wave looped vocals, mm-hmm. then mm-hmm. burst into life. Yep. My personal favorite use of this, uh, other than a spoof in Cougar Town, <laughs> is when it was used as the the theme for one of the seasons on Rocket League. <laughs> you only references though. Yeah, well, yeah, and uh, because it was this song. I would end up just saying on the menu, waiting for the song to finish, so I could hear the whole thing rather than searching for a game. Yeah, I've been there. I've been there. Oh yeah, it's so good. It's just it's such a great song. Weird scene, but I like it. <laughs> Alex, yeah, I mean, it's essentially the same. I, I I really like that you mentioned that the scene just before where where Tom Cruise just randomly goes, "You stink" to that guy, <laughs> like it was a joke. You think there's going to be an actual like punchline or something? <laughs> just leans in. You stink. So weird. I mean, obviously, this scene is just absolutely iconic. It, is. I think, it really I think, is. I think everyone knows about the scene if they've not seen the film. So, like, to watch the film and in the context of the film just makes zero sense whatsoever. <laughs> but it's but it's just, well, what's not to like about it? It's just so, so weird. That, Why are they thing. playing volleyball? I don't understand. This, fi- this film's supposed to be about sort of pilots. We work hard. But if you were to we show, if you were to show someone, it's like, what's Top Gun about? And you had to show them one scene. You'd show them this, and then they'd understand exactly what this film's about. Because <laughs> yeah. the pilot it. stuff, the pilot stuff has no relevance. <laughs> Other than being another example of how macho they all are. Yeah, I got more about like the dynamic of them all and like the rivalry from this one scene than any other part of the entire film. I think it should be classed as sci-fi just because of how good Tom Cruise is at beach volleyball. <laughs> <laughs> but I just love there's just no setup to it. It's just all of a sudden they play beach <laughs> oh, volleyball. There's lots of setups, Alex. There's lots of setups. But they're like they're, they're <laughs> well. <laughs> Maybe, but but like you know the, the the whole setting at the beginning is like how serious this uh, flight school is, and, and we've seen it be really serious up until just randomly they're playing beach volleyball <laughs> in the middle of with planes around them and also it's just like what I don't understand, <laughs> so confused by it. But the song, wow, I mean just wow. Yes, <laughs> both Kenny Loggins songs on this soundtrack have a distinct synthesized sound. Two producers across both songs are very famous producers. 
So you've got Peter Wolf and George Omaroda. George Omaroda especially, you may have heard of. He was like the founder of, like one of the founders of disco, European disco. He basically mastered the synthesizer and a lot of 80s sounds. There's the weird sort of, I think they're called synclavier drums. If you listen back to this song, there's a really weird sort of echoey synthesized drum beat that's kind of iconic. It's like this really echoey sound. It's brilliant. There's been a lot of insinuations that this song is about gay sex. Mm-hmm. Have you seen the music video for this song? Yes. Yeah. I think the video <laughs> <laughs> the video tries to temper that, I feel, by having it's a group of women playing with a group of men or boys. <laughs> while Kenny Loggins seems to be trying to make a music video when they've double booked the whole. <laughs> <laughs> that is exactly what it looks like. <laughs> It's like he's, a, he's an apparition. No one sees him, and he's got this spray-on beard. <laughs> oh, it's just, it's just, it's just magnificent. It's just like it's the groove of oh, it as well. It's like absolutely grooving around this like volleyball court. <laughs> Are we aware of some of the lyrics on this song? Playing with the <laughs> one key one that stood out for me. You can decide what this song's about. It's a strange anticipation. Knock, knock, knocking on wood. Anyway, the next song is <laughs> "Danger Zone" by Kenny Loggins, arguably the most famous song of this film, which is up for debate. This song is heard just after the opening credits over images of that sunset-kissed carrier jets, some of that haziness that Alex mentioned earlier uh, with these jets taking off at sea. I guess it's setting the tone of the film, this, after that hilarious opening credits. They just needed to make the film just that little bit longer. What are your thoughts on this one? Song, scene? Yeah, I mean, obviously, just preface all of this by saying tune, absolute tune. But I get the sense that they didn't really know where to take the song beyond the chorus. Because it's like it's a real lesson in how you can sing the same thing like a thousand times, just slightly differently. Oh, it's so repetitive. It just goes on and on and on, but just slightly different. Slightly different intonation. Slightly different, uh, I don't know, mode. Just moves around, but it is the same thing over and over and over again. But I do enjoy it, I have to admit. I do enjoy it, and and uh, the scene, the the scene itself, the opening scene, I didn't really love because like I like D said earlier, it just all felt a bit stock footage. <laughs> yeah, it feels very just stock lots footage. Of yeah. Planes setting off, landing, flying through the air, the sun in the background. It, the song crops up a couple of times, doesn't it, throughout the film? The music, I think. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a bit it's a bit of a light motif. Yeah, it's a light motif. Yeah, and uh, I think like when it when that kind of kicked in a few times throughout the film, I was like, oh, yeah, gets you pumped again. That is, it's a proper pump song, yeah. And they get they pump yeah. they pump it a lot. Yeah. This, they pump it a lot. But I think it's been this this song's been spoofed a lot. I think, yeah. Oh, and like yes. any time you know, like oh. you have scenes of like planes or like yeah. I think you you do you do often get this song spoofed in, in. Yeah, it's weird. It feels like a montage song, but not like a montage. I think this song is probably the one that made me expect a more fun movie. This song is a banger and promises action, but it, it's very I, the opening bit where with all the stock footage, it very weirdly kicks in just. Like randomly during a shot, it doesn't. Yeah. It doesn't build up to it. It's doing the sort of very brooding baum sounds, and then suddenly this kicks in. Which I mean, great song, but it's it's very weirdly added in. It almost feels like it was added in much later in post. Yeah, it like does. They, they, like they ask any logins to write playing with the boys, and he went, "Do you want Danger Zone as well? That that could fit." I mean, this guy, that's not that's not that far off. <laughs> I think. Oh really? Well, I'll, I'll go into it just briefly, but it's it's annoying. I feel because we're not going to cover it in this podcast because we're only looking at songs. 
but the Harold Faltermeyer sort of guitar riff is just fantastic for this film. Yes. So Harold Faltermeyer, he did a lot. He did like Beverly Hills Cop. I don't know why they cut that off because it's playing over the credits, or it's it's just about to like burst. I think it's the the bit just before the it's like the almost like the synthesized gongs just before the guitar solo kicks in. Yeah, it sounds like Terminator Two. Yeah, yeah, it does a bit. Yeah, it does a bit. Why don't you just play that sort of guitar riff over those planes? I'd like to set it up way more. You didn't need this, but I think this was the song they wanted to sell. Apparently, Tony Scott really wanted the planes to fly in front of the sunset, but the carrier jet moved off course. So he wrote a check on the spot for twenty five grand to move it back, um, but apparently the check bounced. <laughs> <laughs> he knew it was going to bounce. He knew. He, he knew did that. know it. Yeah, he did know it. I mean, he's he was from South Shield. He knew what he was doing. Can we talk about the music video now? <laughs> <laughs> the music video to this. Okay, but, well, yeah, one second, one second. we can definitely get to it. Don't worry. But yes, this song is composed by the legendary father of disco, Giorgio Moroder, who also produced "Take My Breath Away," which we're going to go on to. But multiple people were approached before Kenny Loggins, including predominantly Toto. I think they were offered it first. And then Corey Hart. However, they went with Kenny, who was already doing Playing With The Boys. The song reached number two in the charts. So close. It was kept off the top by Peter Gabriel's Sledgehammer. Ooh. It's a tune. And it's his second highest hit. We know what the first one is, don't we? Footloose? Footloose, yes. But yes, the video. Just iron your shirt, Kenny. Iron the shirt. <laughs> Turn a light on and iron the shirt. Make the bed as well. Jesus. How does him dressed as Jimmy Nail, like <laughs> having an orgasm on a bed, fit with this song? I mean, that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a reference. You're coming out with all the references today, dude. He does look like Jimmy Nail for some reason in this video. He doesn't in the Playing With The Boys one, but in this one, he looks like he's about to start singing Ain't No Doubt. Please let us know if you understood both references to Rocket League and Jimmy Nail. <laughs> it says a lot about me, that doesn't it? <laughs> I don't know if it does. I think it just shows that you're you you're involved in many circles within a Venn diagram. Yeah, does it does it say a lot about it? Does it just create more mystery, do you? I think it, <laughs> it does a create a lot of mystery, yeah. <laughs> How sweaty is oh, he in this video? Word, yeah. His beard his beard looks a lot better though. <laughs> so <one>. sweaty. <laughs> <laughs> There's a really weird bit where he's like resting oh. his hat his head on his hand. <laughs> it's it's just like why? It's like a close up of his face. It's just like so sweated, like the sweat is literally dripping and rolling down his arm. It's weird. Yeah, why is it so sexually charged? He just Kenny is Kenny is charged. He's a charged man. The boy is charged. The boy is charged. Um, but yeah, it's another classic. But I agree. I don't think they knew how to use this. It feels like they planned it to be a credit song, and then they just shoehorned it in. One song that was used, correct? And I think it's probably the objective big song of this film is "Take My Breath Away" by Berlin. This song plays as we build up to that first kiss and montage love affair between Maverick and Charlie, culminating in a typically 80s silhouette sex scene. That blue from it. Like, I don't know what light is producing that blue. <laughs> like, there's some weird like bug zapper outside the front window. But it's a big song. And a very different song. I didn't really know that this scene was from this movie. Like I'd seen it spoofed in everything. Dennis system and it's always sunny in Philadelphia for example <laughs> but I'd never made the connection that even though I knew this song was from this movie that this scene that's always has this song must be also from this movie yeah. I just thought yeah. it was like an 80s movie trope I mean this 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 film coined a lot of tropes that is true is it it's incredibly spoofed and everything. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The song, again, another fantastic song. I don't know quite how they managed to get this many good songs in one film and it not be a good film, but they did it. <laughs> they, did, they definitely did. <laughs> yeah, it's just, just what a power banger. Like, absolute power ballad. 
So every time that's because that they definitely use the synth line in this as a mo- line motif till it yes. pops yeah, up yeah, every yeah, now yeah, and then yeah, bong, yeah. bong bong yeah. bong bong <laughs> perfect. It's just like it does, it, it does it does give you the gooiness every time it comes on in the film. Oh, give you the goo! <laughs> it gives you the goo, even though the, the romance side of things is ridiculous in this film. It's probably along with the stuff that Dee mentioned earlier with Goose, the most interesting parts of it. At least it's like feels like a film, <laughs> not just something that you're not understanding. So. Yeah, I, re- I just I just love the use of this song in this film and just this song in general. But it's like it's like yeah. a proper like Magic FM classic, oh, isn't it? Oh yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. This is on smooth all the time, and that video as well. You might as well just that put Bonnie Tyler on top of the, one of those players because this is a this is a. <laughs> I genuinely thought it was Bonnie Tyler for a long time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it could have been, couldn't it? It's very um, totally clips of the heart. Address. Yeah, I mean, the vi- yeah. So if we talk about the video, the video for this is weird. It's like some sort of like yeah. post-apocalyptic elephant graveyard. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's Mad Max. <laughs> yeah, it's essentially Mad Max. It's the, it's the world after Tom Cruise. I just like the band members are stood on the planes, the different sat on the planes, the different parts. Yeah. yeah, it's classic, absolute classic eighties. The soundtrack to this film is just outstanding. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, it, arguably one of the best. This song, it won the Academy Award for best original song in 1986 i think it was a very very obvious winner when you look at what else was on in my opinion the next best song was somewhere out there from the film american tale we know that song yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. big song it was number one in multiple countries including the us and the uk and it also reached number three in the uk in 1990 four years after it was originally released after top gun came out on tv and a Peugeot advert for the new 405 came out. So clearly, the power of the Peugeot. <laughs> Giorgio Moroder, the famous Giorgio Moroder, said that this is the best song he ever wrote, and it's the one he is most proud of. And if you go on Wikipedia and you look at the kind of artists and songs that that guy's written and the people he's worked with, uh, that's a pretty big claim. And I think it's always interesting to find out what producers think. Because I think often they go for something, you know, that's a bit niche. Like, oh no, my favourite song is the one that no one's really heard of and that album that really failed. But no, he, he said this was the best song he ever produced. Now, there's a few interesting facts about this song. One of my favourites is the lyrics were written by someone called Tom Whitlock. I think he also wrote lyrics for Danger Zone. Now, Tom Whitlock was a mechanic who used to fix the brakes on Giorgio Moroder's Ferrari. And apparently, he came round one day, and he was like, oh, by the way, I'm a lyricist if you ever need any lyrics. Uh, and Giorgio Moroder was writing this song, and he was like, oh, I was, I was, he said he was always terrible at lyrics. So he just contacted him, and he wrote this song. <laughs> what? what was, was he actually a lyricist? This, the lyrics of this song is written by a mechanic. <laughs> was, he just, was he just a chance? You look at his other sort of works. I mean, you see some films that you recognise, but there's nothing else famous. But he wrote the lyrics for Take My Breath Away. And he was a mechanic. It could be us. It this could feels be like anyone. it should be developed to a movie. Yeah, yeah. It, do- it should, shouldn't it? Yeah. George Omarod is in like, the garage waiting room and he hears somebody singing whilst welding on a car. Mm, his voice isn't quite right, but those lyrics. Those lyrics. <laughs> damn lyrics. Take my breath away. <laughs> those damn lyrics. It's got something. I, th- I feel like the, the moral from this story is just go around telling everyone you're a lyricist until someone gives you a job. <laughs> Yeah. It's like us, we podcasting. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah. We're podcasters. Apparently, Terry Nunn, who's the lead singer of Berlin, got very annoyed with George Omroda when she was performing the song because he kept saying, slower, 
Sing it slower. Yes, I know. I know. This, I know this one. Yes, yes. you do. Know, you know that fact. I knew this one because it was one of those top hundred greatest something oh, really? like eighties yeah. movies on Channel yep. Four. For some reason, it's stuck in my mind all these years. Yeah. So as soon as I was saying doing Top Gun, I was like, I'm going to write that down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Apparently, he said that people need to want to sing along, which makes sense. You you don't want to pace it up. Although it would feel like you're more taking the breath away if you pace if you increase the pace a bit. Um. Now, there is another fact about Terry. Whoa, whoa, I'm going to finish that story. Oh, go on, go on. You know more of it than me, then. Yeah, so the lead singer of Berlin held a grudge against this guy for, for like, many years because she she felt she was being held back and she wanted to do, like, vocal runs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, Diva-esque vocals. Yeah, Aguilera stuff. And apparently, she held this grudge all the way until she heard the Jessica Simpson version. <laughs> the Jesse, top 20 single Jessica Simpson version. She heard that where she does do the sort of Mariah Carey-esque vocal runs, called George Romero and said... I'm so sorry, you were always right. <laughs> Thank you, Jessica. You provide us clarity even in our darkest moments. She got a top 20 single with this song, though, you know. And probably a much higher ranking single with Boots Are Made For Walking from uh, the Dukes <laughs> of Hazzard A film we will never cover if this podcast goes on for another 100 years. Anyway, I have a great fact about Terry Nunn. She didn't want to be a singer at first, and she auditioned opposite Harrison Ford for the role of Leia Organa. She did her. She did script reading with Harrison, and how'd it go? They really liked her, but she didn't take their breath away. Mm, low hanging fruit. Apparently, Steven Spielberg. They said they wanted to go for uh, someone else, but he offered her a role in Dallas. Uh, Steven Spielberg had connections to Dallas, apparently, but she <laughs> gave it up because she said she wanted to work on her career in music, and this is where it was. So who knows? Would you rather have an Oscar-winning single and this song under your belt, or be in Dallas? Alex, I know what you'd rather have. <laughs> Both. She could have had it all. You could have had it all. Could have <laughs> had it all. Okay, Ben, top five. Don't you do it to me, D. Okay, so Alex doesn't know this, but uh, Ben messaged me to say that he needed me to do the top five this week, so uh, I'm hosting top five. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Wow, wow, wow. Alex don't like change. I don't. My, my, my leg is itching right now. <laughs> Top five. Top five time, as Ben would normally say. Mm-hmm. With Top Gun getting a sequel a whopping 36 years after the original was released, I asked myself, what actually is the longest gap between movie sequels? Mm. So I googled it, got the list, nice. and here I present it to you, but with two caveats. One, there's no animated movies in this list because Disney's slew of mediocre <laughs> director DVD movies in the early noughties it was just all that and second because I don't want to get into an argument about whether or not The Force Awakens is a sequel to The Return of the Jedi despite the fact there's four movies in between I decided just to get rid of it so Star Wars is not one of the answers that was going to be my first answer (laughs) so like a direct sequel yes I know know one I've got one one. Indiana Jones and the Crystal Skull or whatever it's called yeah uh, sixth place. Oh, Pro- Prometheus. Nineteen years. No, because Alien Three. No, Alien that's Three. Not on, no, that's not on my three. list. Yeah, is is there actually like a prequels allowed? Is it like longest between like films of a series, or is it? No, it's sequels. God, direct sequels. Direct sequels. Um, how long was that with gap between? No, and the Ma- I was gonna say the Matrix, but that's probably won't be able it. God, this is between. Um, Ghostbusters. Uh, not on the list. Yeah, I can't guess what it came out this year. Oh, um, The Shining, The Shining, and the Doctor. Uh, yeah, Doctor Sleep. Yeah, Do you know that that is a good shout. That's not on the list, but that feels like it should be. Jurassic Park, Mad Mad Max. So Mad Max was disqualified oh, because it's technically a reboot, not a sequel. 
Jurassic Park was seventh oh, for 14 God. years. <laughs> okay, yeah, okay, right. okay, so close. I'll give you a clue. I'll give you a clue. What film are we doing today? Top Gun. Oh, Top, Gun. Top Gun. There you go. Right. Top Gun, Top Gun Maverick, 36 years, 1986 to 2022. So where does that, where, where's, that, where's that on the list? Second. Okay. I know Rocky? one. Rocky, Apollo, or Rocky and Rocky. <laughs> what are the Rocky? Because they kept making Rocky Balboa, didn't they, in like, the mid-noise? <laughs> yeah, Something to do with Rocky. Uh, no. no. But Slice the Lord is a good, good shout. Rambo? Yep, Rambo 3 to Rambo 4, 20 years, fifth place. Blade Runner? Blade Runner, that's a really good shout. That is a very good shout, because that's like 30-odd years, and that's not in this list. Terminator 3? No, no, it's been no, loads, loads, loads. Terminator <laughs> 3? <laughs> it's like one every three years? Yeah, but I thought the gap, there's a gap between two and three. Blade Runner should be on this list. I blame Screen Crush. Yeah, yeah, Screen Crush. Uh, by the way, Rambo 3 and Rambo 4, in fifth place, is actually tied. That was 20 years, and is another film franchise that had a sequel, actually, weirdly, the same years. So, 19... 19- 88 2008. Predator? Yeah, Predator. Not in this list. Do you want some more clues? Uh, is it is it another sci-fi film? Fourth is a sci-fi film. Uh, I'm trying to think Any of ideas on first place? I think about action films mainly. Is, is the first place like a really long time? Like a film that was released in like 1950? So, so I can tell you the years. So first place is... Bad Boys? Fi- Bad Boys is sixth. Ugh. No, seventh. Sorry, seventh. 17 years. Um, first place is 54 years. Gap, 54 years? God. Yeah. You'll kick yourself when you when you hear it. Ugh. It's Disney. Yeah, I thought you said we were going to do these Disney. I said no animated films. Oh. 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 50 something years. Disney. Fantastic. No, that's not animated. Damn it. Tron? Tron is in the list. Ooh, Fourth Tron. place. 28 years between Tron and Tron Legacy. Oh, good. Good chance. So you got two more together. That, that wasn't the Disney one, though. Well, I guess that is Disney, but that's not the one I was referring that's to. That's not the one you referring to. So, so the Disney one's a live action. One. A live action, fifty yes. something years. I can't think of really old like Mary Poppins. Ones, no, oh, Mary Poppins. Mm. Mary Poppins. Mm. Yeah, Mary Poppins to Mary Poppins returns. Mary years. Poppins. So one left to get third place. A clue. If you were to say these movies out loud, you would say the same thing, but one of the words has been replaced by a number. Dumb and Dumber. Dumb and Dumber is the, the joint fifth place with yeah. Rambo. It's not the one I'm looking for, but it's in there. So well done. 20 years. Weirdly, exactly the same years of release as Rambo and Rambo 4. So, uh, but, so a thing is released like two, like 200 Lander. Is it that? <laughs> Something like that, but it's not Zoolander. <laughs> 200 Lander. <laughs> What's the gap between the films, T? 33 years. 1988, again, to 2021. Oh, so last year. 88? Yep. The sequel's released on Amazon Prime. Oh, straight, what, straight to Amazon? Yep. Hey. It was supposed to go to cinemas, but, you know, oh, yeah. the world. Uh... <sighs> I feel like I'm going to kick myself out of this one because I feel yeah. like I know it in, deep down, but I can't think. It's a comedy. A comedy? American comedy film. Oh, it's that film with uh, Eddie Murphy. It is. A film with Eddie Murphy. Um, oh, uh, coming to America. Coming to America. Yep. Coming to America and coming to America. Yeah, that's one. 33 years. Coming to 100 America. Coming three America, coming next year. <laughs> Never stop coming. Was, that as pain- was it as painful as Ben was makes it out to be on the other side, 30? <laughs> Well, I mean, it was made, made pretty worse by the fact you kept coming up with better answers than the list. <laughs> That's good, though. I prefer that. I'm, I, I'm proud of me and Alex for doing that. Yeah. You made us feel better. Um, other us. notable mentions are Indiana Jones, 19 years, and The Incredibles, 14 years. Uh, wow. Oh, so that, is that how long it is? Bloody hell, it's incredible. Right, well, that, that was me doing the top five. Awesome. I'll, nice. I'll, Thank uh, you. I'll double check it next time. I understand now why you uh, you put three or four of these together to get <laughs> yeah. a more collated list. And then no one can be wrong. Uh, best song? Ooh, that is a good question on this one, because that is hard. Get into the nitty gritty. What is the best song of Top Gun? <sighs> God, I'm really stumbling. 
Well, I mean, I am going playing with the boys. <laughs> I think that was yeah, good. Yeah, <laughs> if it's a song that I was willing to name the entire podcast around, I think it's got to win for me. Mm. Take my breath away is everywhere. It like permeates so many other things. It's on like every like chocolate advert I feel or something. It, it, it's huge song. It is. It's probably the yep. slowest song on any power ballad playlist or CD. It's also very intimate for a power ballad. Mm. Yes. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna leave it up to Alex, and I'm gonna say, "Take my breath away." He's just going to say Danger Zone. I, I think actually the best song is the Righteous Brothers one. Is <laughs> my personal preference. But it's not the best song in this film. So, as in, it's the best song, but in terms of it being part of this film, I don't really see it as being part of this film, even though it was in it quite prominently. Yeah. Oh, it is hard. I would say probably I would have to go for Take My Breath Away as well. Just because I think I feel like... If you were to ask somebody what the song from this film was, they would say that one. And people would also say, if you asked, like, name a song, a famous song from a film, this would probably be one of the very first ones that most people think of. So I just think it has that yeah. kind of weight as a song from a film, which is obviously what the podcast is supposed to be about. So, yeah, I would go with that one. But I feel like in terms of the soundtracks we've covered, this is probably the most banging. Yeah, I, I, it's one of those things where if any of these songs had won, You'd be like, yeah, yeah, that's right, that that one. So I'm gonna, I'm really intrigued to see what this one's gonna do when we put the poll to uh to the general masses, yeah, and all twenty of you vote. All twenty of them. <laughs> Thanks, guys. We appreciate you. So that brings an end to another episode of that song from that movie. Let us know which one you think is the best song on Twitter, Alex. What is our Twitter handle? TSF Pod. You can help the podcast by sharing this on Reddit. But Ben, what random subreddit should oh. they pick? Ice Road Truckers. Um, okay. Why? <laughs> Iceman. Uh, <laughs> I went. As, I went as, like it was either that or I was going to think of gooses. Goose. Ah, geese. Who would win in a fight? Group of geese or goose? Yeah, one goose-sized geese. <laughs> <laughs> one goose guy, goose-sized geese, or ten geese-sized geese. <laughs> you can help the podcast by telling all your friends and everything like that, giving us a review. Signing up to our Patreon, buying our merch, just just anything to help the podcast. Do we, do we have merch? Yeah. <laughs> right, so what's left now is to do some goodbyes. So it's goodbye from myself, goodbye, and goodbye from Alex. Walking on the moon. <laughs> uh, and goodbye from Ben. I think I'll go embarrass myself with Goose. So, uh, <laughs> goodbye everybody. Bye. See ya. My box has gone. <laughs> Goose, you big stud. Can we talk about the fact that when you search this film, it's like starring Tom Cruise, Tim Robbins. He's like in it for like 10 seconds.